the Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this to you guys. So I'll give you the cheat sheet right now, okay? Because this, this is Easter tradition. There's a responsive kind of thing that happens. Anybody know what I'm about to do, right? So listen, here's your line. Your line is, he is risen indeed, right? Okay, you want to practice that? Do you need to practice that? I don't know. All right, here's this long-standing, long-standing Easter tradition where I start, we greet one another like this. He is risen like that. It's like that. See, there's these response moments, and it's been going on for a long time, but I can't tell you how many times I was like, I didn't know they did that. Yeah, they do that. There's these moments, you know, things that are happening. Well, if we have not met, my name is Marty Walker. I'm the senior pastor here. I'm glad you're here for Resurrection Sunday. This has been in my living room all week, and it has been trumpeting that one phrase, he is risen. He is risen. He is risen. And I, every day I go out, I'm like, man, so this is our brass section today. These are the trumpets for today, right? I, I, I look at it, and I go, oh. In between everything else that's happening, all that's happening, you know, springtime, it's like all of a sudden you start getting flowers coming up and, and weeds. How many are battling the weed? Oh, man. And, uh, and so, because my wife's like, babe, the weeds. I know the weeds. You don't have to remind me every four weeks. Anyway, so uh, it's, it's, I'll get to them. I prom- but this, man, this has been in my living room, and I'm just like, every day I'm looking at it going, right, he's risen. He's risen, and, and so, so I'm just, I'm super excited about today. I love celebrating today. We are going to celebrate today by looking at the story of Jesus. I, I think you'll find some very unique things happening here, but before we get there, I, I want to read something to you because it is, it is an amazing moment that we gather today, uh, and I'm going I'm to read to you the story of Jesus. Before we get there, though, there's a lot of reasons why we come to church on Resurrection Sunday. Sometimes it's to kind of figure something else inside of ourselves maybe it's to please mom because everybody knows mom says we're all going to church on easter right or we're all mother's day that's only number two to mother's day right what do you want for mother's day i want everybody to be at church with me okay mom all right but uh we we all come we all come to this day for a lot of different reasons uh uh, some, sometimes maybe we think we're trying to please God or maybe we're trying to figure something else in ourselves, but we, we come for different reasons. And I, and I have to tell you this, uh, of all the things that are happening, and, and I've been doing this a long time, I, I've been bringing the resurrection story for over 33 years. I've been telling this story every year on, on this day. Every, every year on Resurrection Sunday, I go, oh, I get to tell that story again. And there's, in our culture, we're trying to deal with this. We're trying to, so what, what does this mean to me? And so I believe that churches continue to get filled on this particular Sunday because we've got to deal with this. And that's what I want to try and get to today. Now, by getting there, I'm going to kind of take, uh, take it a roundabout way. I, I want to talk to you about the news, man. Have you ever heard something and, and, and you wondered if it was true? <laughs> you ever hear the news, right? Fake news, right? You're like, is this true, right? I mean, you're listening to them and you're like, I hear what you're saying. I know what you've written here. I can see. But is that really what happened? Is, is that really what's going on? And then you add into that tweets. And then you add to that social media. And then you add to that cable news networks. And it, what's really wild is it seems like we have perfected the art of lying. It's amazing. I'm like, is this true? And then the other, that's not true. And, then, right, right, right. and we have become so proficient at concealing the truth like never before. 
in history. It's just amazing. And I find myself questioning the sources. It's like, so I, I see what you're writing, I hear what you're saying, but is this some sort of propaganda to get me to think a certain way? Like you, wanna, you want me to move over this way? Is this slanted in any way? What, what's the, and, and here's the big thing. Uh, the problem is, is that uh, truth has just taken such a beating that I know I'm not hearing the whole story. I, I know that. And listen, I've pastored long enough to tell you that, you know, I sit with a married couple and there is his story and there is her story and somewhere in the middle is the truth. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, okay, I hear what you're saying, but, the, you know, it's like, well, we went on vacation and, and, the, and the ocean was so warm and the other was like, oh, yeah, we went on vacation and the pine trees and the mountains. And I'm like, well, did you go to the beach or the mountains? You know, I'm like, are you talking about the same? Somewhere, how do, were you guys on the same vacation? You know, kind of thing, right? It's those moments that I, I get, honestly, I'm like confused because, and again, I, I, I watch the news and I'm thinking, this can't be the whole story. And what I really want, I want to talk to the people who were there. I, I want to talk to the people who were there. It's like, because I know that if I talk to them, they'll give me their story. I'm not going to hear someone's interpretation of their story. I'm going to hear their story. And that's what I want. I want to hear their story. And there are a few moments in the Bible that are kind of like that. And it's not that, it's not that it's not the truth. It's just that I'm not getting the whole story. Now, how many of you join me? We just finished up a series on Jonah. Anybody remember the Jonah series? I just finished a series on Jonah. And it's way back here, right? There's this guy named Jonah. And he is told, hey, I need you to go to uh, Nineveh, which, by the way, he hates Nineveh, right? Because uh, that's the Assyrian capital. The Assyrians are the arch enemy of the Israelites, you know, so they're like, they're, they hate each other. And so he's like, oh, I'll go and tell them you're going to judge them, right? Jonah's all excited. Oh, you're going to destroy them? Oh, yeah, I'm in, right? No, he, he goes the opposite direction. And we don't get it till the very end, but he goes, listen, I don't want to go there because I know you're going to be good to them. Because if they repent, you'll give them a second chance. And that ain't right. They don't deserve a second chance. But it's at the very end of the book. It's really wild. At the very end, it's chapter four. It's the last sentence. And God says this, shouldn't I have compassion on a city with so many people in it? Question mark. And then you turn the page, next book begins. I'm like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, so what did he say? Because Jonah, earlier, he, he's just sitting there on the 50-yard line, burn them all to death, man. I am so waiting for this one. I want to see this happen. Kill them all, let God sort them out. I, he's excited. But the last question is, shouldn't I be compassionate? And then it ends. I'm like, so what did he say? What was the answer? A another time, Jesus actually picks up on it. In the New Testament, in the book of Luke, he tells a story about two brothers who received their father's inheritance, and one of the brothers squanders it. He goes off gambling, he's got women and booze and all kinds of stuff, right? And he goes off, he squanders it. And then, and then the Bible says this, he comes to his right mind, in other words, he was out of his mind, right? He comes to his right mind. He goes, man, I should go home. This, this, this stinks, right, where I'm doing right here. And he goes home, and the father sees him. and goes, oh, I'm so glad you're back. And so he calls Rattlers, and he goes, I need tri-tip. I need barbecue. I need sauce. I, I need the garlic rolls, lots of garlic rolls. He throws this huge party because his son is home, right? He says, oh, man, you were once lost. Now you've been found. You were dead. Now you're alive. This is awesome. But the other brother, remember, there were two brothers. The other brother's like, heck no. That guy's a punk. I'm not going in there. You having a party? He squandered all his money. I've been working. I've been diligent. I've been doing the right thing. And this knucklehead. And then, and then the father, here's the way the story ends. It drives me crazy. The father says to the older son, hey, 
come on, you knew we had to party. I mean, he was dead, he's alive. Won't you come in and celebrate with me? Question mark. And the story ends. But what does he say? And it doesn't say what he says. There's no response. The father pleads with him, please come in. You gotta come with me. Your brother, he's back. It's so great, please come with me. No answer. I'm like, what is that? What's happening here, right? Well, when I read the four accounts of the resurrection, the thing that we gather for today, I read these four accounts. There are four, four accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's, those, are the, those are the good news books in the Bible, and they all tell the same story, but they're different. They all have different slants on them. Well, i got to tell you what. Mark is kind of like that. Mark is, 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 just comes up short. When you read the very end of the resurrection story in Mark, it's like somehow he's got like writer's block or he ran out of ink in the printer and he's got to run to Staples and he's like, oh man, what are you? And it just ends. It ends abruptly. So open with me to the good news of Mark. Come with me. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the chair back. Grab it because you want to see this. It's kind of crazy. This is a terrible, can I just say this in church? This ending sucks. It's terrible. It's terrible. This is the ending to the good news in Mark. It's, and, and listen, by the way, inside, inside scoop, I've been teaching this story, this resurrection story, for a lot of years. This is the first time I have ever used Mark on Easter Sunday because it's terrible. It's a terrible ending. So, so watch this. Here we are, Mark chapter 16. It's on page 59 inside that Bible. You want to see this, so open that up, page 59. Watch this, chapter 16, verse 8. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. And that's the end of the story. I'm like, really? That's it? He's right. Jesus rises from the grave, and that's the end of the good news from Mark. They were freaked out. I'm like, that's a terrible ending. Now you know why I've never used it on Resurrection Sunday until today. I, I see this, and I am go, this cannot be, right? Well, see, here's what happened. The early readers of Mark's account decided that can't be, that, uh, there's got to be something wrong. Something, it maybe got inadvertently just torn off of the, the manuscript. Something happened. And so here's what happened. Over time, people wrote new endings. And you have at least one of them in the Bible in front of you. You've got one. In fact, your Bible probably says something like shorter ending of Mark. Does it say that in there? I, I don't know what yours says, right? Some, some of them say, you know, th that most reliable early manuscripts don't have these next 10 verses. Check it out. That's where the end of Mark is. It's right there. They were freaked out. They didn't say anything because they were too frightened. And then it ends. I'm like, again, terrible ending, and everybody knew it. I want you to understand something. Virtually, there is no Bible scholar on the planet that believes these next 10 verses are from Mark. In fact, they have proven that these next 10 verses were actually added three to 400 years later after Mark publishes this letter. Mark gives his account, and he ends right here. They didn't say anything to anybody because they were freaked out. That was the end. Boom, done. It's like, that stinks. That's the end of the story? Really? That's it? Well, see, Mark is kind of known for that, though. He's the shortest of these four books. His is only 16 chapters, right? But in it, he, he uses this word over and over ago. Suddenly. He uses it again and again. And then suddenly Jesus did this. And then, and then, oh, I'm moving on to the next story. No, no, then we'll have more details. No, he never tells the women's version of the story, right? Right? I like, listen, hey, listen, I love those stories. In fact, my wife just told me this morning, you know, you do a lot more talking in our house than I do. 
It's one of my gifts, I know, and a curse. And so here's what happens, though. See, he's just short. He's just short all over. It, it's just constantly. Here's the beginning of the story. It was awesome. And okay, next story. Wait, but you didn't, you didn't give me all the details. I want more details. He, he doesn't do that. He just ends with they said nothing because they were freaked out. And so what happens is people started adding to it. Something has to be done with this ending because that's a terrible ending. And I don't get it because you look at Matthew, you look at Luke, you look at John, and the, uh, these other narrators are highlighting the joy of the resurrection, and he's highlighting the fear. He emphasizes the fear. I don't get it. He piles on these words. Listen to these words. Trembling, bewildered, right? Frightened. It's, it's all here. And I'm like, they fled? I'm like, what, what is this, right? Well, what kind of good news ends with because they were too fearful? How can that be good news? How, how does this guy even qualify to get in here? It's not that their fear is irrational, by the way. There, there's reasons for it. It's just not a good place to end the story. Okay, they were freaked out, but then tell, tell us what happened. Well, let's back it up. Come, come with me to chapter 16, verse 1. Let's start the whole thing here. I, I'll start, I'll show you how Mark leads us here. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath had ended, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Sloan, went out and they purchased these burial spices so that they could anoint Jesus' body so he wouldn't you know, rot and smell and everything because they know he's dead and so he's in this tomb, but they, they had to put him away in a hurry and so they go, oh, you know, when, when we're allowed to work again because they're observing a thing, in the, the Jews all do this thing called the Sabbath and they're not allowed to do any work and so they say, well, after the Sabbath, we'll go and we'll make it so he doesn't reek, right? And so they buy all these spices, watch this, and and so they're going to anoint his body. Verse 2, very early on Sunday morning, today, that's what we celebrate today, just at sunrise, they go to the tomb. And on their way there, they're asking each other, hey, who's going to roll away the stone? You know, the one that's in front of the tomb, because that's the way we seal, you seal the smell. You got to keep them in there kind of a thing, right? You keep all the smell away. And so who's going to roll away the, the, the stone? But as they arrived in verse 4, they looked up and they saw that the stone had already been rolled aside. Like, wait a minute. See, and there's a group of women going, we're not strong enough to move the stone. This thing's huge, and we've got to find somebody to do that for. Oh, it's already gone. So, so watch this. When they enter the tomb, they see a young man clothed in white, in, in a white robe, sitting on the right side of this tomb. And the women are shocked. And now, now here's this, this incredible thing. Now, their hearts are pounding. They catch their breath. I know if it was me, I would be freaking out, right? Imagine entering the family mausoleum, and instead of seeing the dead body, the coffin, it's empty, but there's this guy. In fact, in Matthew, it says, his clothes are like lightning. I mean, it's better than Clorox bright, right? I mean, it's, I mean, his clothes are like lightning. And I'd be freaking out. Well, here's what this angel says, and because that's this guy who's sitting here, he's actually an angel. Here's what he says when, when they come in. Watch this. The angel says, don't be alarmed. You're, looking, you're here looking for Jesus of Nazareth, right? Well, don't be alarmed that Jesus was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Look. This is where they laid his body. Now go tell all his disciples, including Peter, you know, the knucklehead, right? Because he's, you got, he got, he's got to know, right? That Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee, and you'll see him there just as he told you before he died, and then it ends, right? They're fearful, they're afraid, they don't say anything, and they're freaked out. That's it? 
Yeah, that's, that's really where it ends. Now, first, I think the angels get a kick out of, out of saying, don't be afraid. And I, it's like, the angel, every, every, time, every time an angel shows up, one shows up to Mary, ah! and she, don't be afraid. It's like, well, if you wouldn't show up in lightning clothing, I wouldn't be afraid, right? But he shows up like, and you go, ah! don't be afraid. Well, just tone it down a bit, and I'll be cool when you show up. Right, But he says, it. He, don't be afraid. And, and so then the women are looking past him and they're like, hey, that's where Jesus, that, his dead, linen-wrapped body, you was right there. We brought it in. I know where it is. And now it's nothing but the linen. What would you do with him? Where is he? They start, they're, they're thinking, what's going on here, right? Why is this angel here anyway? What's he doing there? I mean, it's not like he's guarding anything. I've got to keep my eye on the linen. There's nobody in the tomb. He's not watching over anybody. Here he is. I think, I think he serves as an interpreter. Because honestly, listen, and this is just me. If I were to walk into that tomb, I don't know that I would have gotten the story right. Even though... Jesus told them several pages before, he said, hey, listen, I'm going into Jerusalem, I'm going to die, but after three days, I'm going to rise from the grave, I'm, it's all going to be good, and I, I wouldn't have connected the two pieces. I, I just don't know, so I think he kind of translates the situation for them. He's like, hey, uh, welcome to the tomb, he's not here, remember when he told you, now go to Jerusalem, See, he refreshes their mind. Now, I don't know what conclusion they would have come to, but I believe left on their own they would have probably done what I would have done, and they wouldn't have gotten the story right. It, it would have been all confused. And so the angel tells them, he's risen from the dead, he ain't here. That's, this is what you need to hear. And verse 8 says that they were bewildered. Now this word bewildered, when you dig into it, it's, it's like your brain slipping on a banana, right? It's, it's, it's y- your mind is kind of like, I, 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 you, know, those mom- you ever get in those moments where you're like, what's happening here? And you're watching, you're like, this shouldn't be, ha- am I, um, I, so I'm, not, I'm getting punked, right? Is there cameras? You ever in those situations where you're like, this shouldn't be happening the way this is happening? That's what's happening here. And it says they're bewildered. And in the midst of the confusion, I can tell you one, one thing they know for sure. As of these words, he isn't here. He's risen from the dead. As of those words, their world has completely changed. Everything is, I, I call it the toothpaste tube moment where you go, and you squeeze, there's no way it's going back in. See, once this is done, oh man, this changes everything. Because you got to keep in mind, these people have been watching Jesus for three years. They've watched him heal sick people, crippled people, deaf people, blind people, dead people. They've watched all this happen. They watched Peter walking on water, drowning in water. All the same moment, right? They, these, they watched the bread, the loaves. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of stories going on here. These are the people who watched it, and they're like, oh, wait a minute. He said he was going to do that. Oh, if he did, that changes everything. If this happened, and by the way, can I just tell you this? A lot of people have they, have, they have a hard time. Well, that's just, that's the Bible. I, I can tell you what's called extra biblical material. There is a ton of extra biblical material that records all these stories from historians of their time. A guy named, a guy named Josephus, go look him up. 
he records all this stuff. He goes, oh man, these followers of a guy from Nazareth named Jesus. And it's from a history, a history perspective. There's, this is just the Bible's edition. But see, the world's trying to figure out, what do we do? And again, I believe that's why our churches are full on Resurrection Sunday. Because the world's trying to figure out, what do I do with this? You're telling me a guy came back to life. I need, I need to figure that out. Because it's one of these moments. I, 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 it's, 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 wait, wait, really? Well, let me ask you a question. In regards to what Mark is writing here, when is the ending not really the ending? When a guy comes back to life. It's not the ending. It's the beginning. That's why he doesn't end it there. And I think, I honestly believe, just like when God turns to Jonah, he says, hey man, don't you think I ought to be compassionate? There's all these people living here. I don't, I don't want to destroy people. I, I'm a God of compassion. The Bible says, a God of steadfast love. Don't you think I ought to be compassionate? See, here, watch this. I think we're supposed to answer that question. Jonah didn't answer it so that you and I could. I believe that we're supposed to answer the question of the older brother. Hey, man, you know that guy who's two cubicles over from you? The guy who irritates you at work? Well, he shows up to church. He says, yeah, I, I found Jesus. Well, I'm not partying with you, man, because I don't like you, and further, you can go back to your cubicle. See, watch this. I think we're supposed to answer the question. If this guy's come to life, Aren't you going to celebrate with me? Are you kidding? That woman, she talks about everybody in the neighborhood. You know, she's the one that, across the street and one door over. Oh, she's such a gossip in the whole neighborhood. I can't stand it. In fact, I was telling my friend the other day, she talks about everybody, right? <laughs> what do you do? What do you do when she comes to God and she goes, I found out I needed Jesus because I heard he isn't here. He's risen from the dead. And I decided I had to respond to that. And so the question is, won't you come and celebrate with me? God's asking, won't you celebrate? And so here's this moment. Here's, here's this moment. It ends, they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. And then, and here's what happened. Everybody knew. We've got to write another ending to this story. Well, I believe this is where my ending comes in. This is where your ending comes in. What are you going to do? What is your response? Here it is. You gotta have a response for this. You have to. There has to be some sort of reaction response to he isn't here, he's risen from the dead. We have to finish this story. Now, I know for me, I, I read that 40 years ago and I started writing my story. I started writing, okay, if that's the way it is, and I had to respond to this. I had to respond. So if he's alive, then that changes my life. And this is where the real news comes in. This is the real news because Christians have been writing the ending to Mark's gospel for 2,000 years. Not just this little one here, these 10 verses that were written three to 400 years after, but for 2,000 years, we've been writing an ending to he is risen. Then this, Jesus was crucified for the sin that would condemn us to hell. He rolls aside the stone just the, way, just the same way he rolls aside death. He says, you can live forever like me. He pushes death out of the way. And Christians who believe that Jesus could let them live simply by saying, let me live, right? That's what happened to me 40 years ago. I said, okay, if that's the case, then I, I need this. 
Because here's my problem. I'm manipulative. I'm self-centered. I'm angry. I got, I got a ton of issues. And, and that's just in the first 10 years I've developed those. I was 10 years old, and I read this story, and I said, whoo, wait a minute. Because, see, I come from a big family, and so I got a couple little sisters. Anybody with younger sibs? Okay, so watch this. So I, I was the brother who said, hey, uh, I have two nickels. I'll give them to you for your one quarter. You know you want two coins. That's way better than one. That's me. See, I, I, had, I had developed selfishness that fast. I, knew, I, I, oh, I wanted to manipulate. Oh, my gosh. It's in me. I didn't have to be trained how to do that. That came naturally to me. Selfishness was natural. Nobody had to tell me, don't steal that. I just kind of went, you know, I, I want that, and I want it, and I want what I want. That came natural to me. But all of a sudden, I had to come up with an answer for this. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. And so my ending started being written 40 years ago. And just like, watch the ending here. So it ends here. But then they have this thing called Acts and Romans. And here's what happened. They wrote an ending. And so they went off to cities like Ephesus and Galatia and Corinth and Rome and Thessalonica. Right? They went all to these cities. And you know what they were telling people? Jesus is risen from the dead. He's alive. What do you want to say about it? Hey, you people in Thessalonica, you Thessalonians, Jesus is alive. Hey, you people in Corinth, you Corinthians, Jesus is alive. What do you say? You have to come up with a response. Now there's people who go, I don't believe it. Okay, That's, that gets to be the story. And we go, I don't believe it, period. But here's what happened. A guy named Paul gets a hold of it and he goes, Ooh, whoa. If Jesus is alive, and then he goes off and he starts telling people, Jesus is alive, Jesus is alive, Jesus is alive, and he starts spreading the news all over the place. Well, what happens for you and I? See, what brought us here is the story of Jesus. But what goes out there, what goes to your car, what goes to your neighborhood, what goes to your work, isn't Jesus' resurrection story. It's your story. What's your story? See, my story's being written. The Bible says this, that all of us are like living letters. See, these books here, they're just recording people's responses to Jesus is alive. So there you have the Thessalonians. This is how they responded to Jesus is alive. And I have a book that's being written about my responses to Jesus is alive. And here's what it says. Man, there were 10 steps backward and none forward today. That's what my book says. It's the book of Marty or Martians or Martians. It would explain a lot, right? So, so listen, I have a book that's being written. And then there's another page. You turn another page, watch this. He was more like Jesus today than yesterday. And then the next line, he was more like Jesus tomorrow than today. Man, this guy's growing. This guy's maturing. I'm like, oh, yeah, let's focus on that. Highlight that one, please. See, my story is being written. My response to he isn't here, he's risen from the dead, is being recorded. And here's what the Bible says. Every single one of us has to give an account for, here's the hard part, our careless words. You ever have careless words? Oh. <laughs> gonna be, there, there are sometimes careless words come out of my mouth to the people I love most. I love my bride. I love her. She... I'm crazy in love with her, but 
There are some times I'm like, that was careless words to my kids. People I say that I love, I'm like, I can't believe I just said that. I'm, here's, I've shared this before. My greatest fear is Jesus is going to come back. You know, the Bible says he comes back in the twinkling of an eye. It's going to happen. Like, my greatest fear is he's going to come back as I'm slamming my thumb with a hammer. Oh, hi, Jesus. I'm, I have, there is a genuine thought pattern in my mind that right as I'm going, bleh, careless word, he's going to, how you doing? <gasps> I just, it's there. But, but I have to give an account for that. Oh, you guys, what is your story saying? A lot of people have written their endings to Mark. There's some great endings. It says this, he isn't here. He has risen from the dead. And I got free from addictions. So, somebody wrote that ending. I thought I was going to be with, I had this as a kid. I struggled with this as a young adult. I struggled with this in my marriage. I, and then he isn't here. He's risen from the dead. And then I got free from this thing that I've been carrying around my entire life. Somebody else's story in this room. Oh man, he, is, he isn't here. He's risen from the dead. And he healed my relationships. My marriage actually got better because I stopped being manipulative and angry and he took away this thing of anger inside of me this unrest because the bible says that jesus gives us peace i go oh see the the ending is being written it's being written as people read this story they go i got an ending i got one see our lives are the good news and nobody can debate it nobody can call my story fake news you know why it's my story I was there. I watched it happen. I'm telling you, I had no money to pay the bills. I can tell you the times. I had no money. I'm like, what am I going to do? God, I just need some help. And all of a sudden, all this check came in the mail, an unexpected check, and I was able to pay all my bills. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Is that in your story? I've had it happen. And you, listen, you can't screw with my story. It's my story, and it's real news. And you don't have to believe me. I don't even care because I know what's true. I know what has happened in my life. Some of you have heard me talk about this. I had a best friend die. I was in college. My best friend was killed in an automobile accident. And 10 days later, my brother, who was one year older than me, was killed in a hang gliding accident. In 10 days, I lost the two people closest to me in my life. That's my story. You want to debate that? You can't. It's my story. And God saw me through that. Oh, there were some bad days <laughs> where I'm like, what is going on here? Oh, you better believe it. It's all, it, you'll read about it one day. It's written but it's my story, and it's your story, and it's not written ink to paper. It's not this easy. It's God's spirit deep inside of us, and it's written, and it's, it's time that it gets published. We came here to hear the resurrection story. That's what brought us here. Jesus' story is told here. But now that the resurrection has happened, your story goes out there. My story happens out there. It happens at Sand Canyon Vaughn's. That's where my story gets written. My story gets written at the gas station when I go in and I say, hey, the pumps aren't working. Can, can I give my, rather than, what's wrong with your pumps? Anybody have those days? Your story is written when that person cuts you off on the freeway. Your story is being written, and we have to decide, what does this mean? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. What does the rest of this mean to me? I get to write that story. It's your story. Let's celebrate the great endings. Let's celebrate what's happened after the resurrection of Jesus. I can tell you my story. I'm not going to get into it today, but man, what an awesome story I got. He surprised me. 
He's rescued me. He's saved me out of terrible situations. Times I'm so glad he didn't answer my prayers. Oh, man, I got a great story. And you can't debate my story. You can debate this one all you want. And here's what most people do. Yeah, well, I know a bunch of Christians who make that invalid. Well, that's, that's their story. That's not this story. What's your response to? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Let me pray. Father, today... I thank you for a moment where we've come in here and we're trying to respond to what does this mean? That response determines our hope for the future. That response defines our perspective of what's happened in the past. That response delivers peace for right now, for today. And so I'm asking that as we respond to this story, as we respond to your story, Jesus, and we're going to respond in song, We have some songs that reflect part of how we feel because of the story that's been written since I heard you were risen from the dead. Hear these songs of thankfulness, of gratefulness for rescuing us. Let it be so in Jesus' name. Let it be done.